Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you would like to be a part of the show, you sure can. You can uh, always give me a call on the listener hotline at 303-832-0217. I have all my contact information in the description of the show. And if you wouldn't mind rating the show, I sure would appreciate that as well. Well, we've talked a lot on this show about electric vehicles and where they will go in the future. But one online publication has gone even a step farther. The site evinfocus.com has come out with their 12 EV predictions for 2024. So I wanted to know what these 12 predictions are for the new year. So I invited Peter Ramsey, the co-founder and editor-in-chief for EV in Focus, to be here on the show. Peter boasts 20-plus years' experience in energy, commodity journalism, and analysis. He joins me now from London, England. Peter, thanks so much for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jason. Really appreciate it. All right, so when whenever I get a chance to speak to somebody in a different country, I always like to ask about the driving conditions there and what it's like to drive there. So how is driving and commuting, uh, commuting there in, uh, in London? Um, London is not a driving city. I think it's <laughs> fair to say, um, yeah, there is, um, you know, um, for, you know, on the positive side, we have a very good, as long as it works, uh, public transport system. Um, and that is a lot quicker way of getting around. Uh, than, uh, than 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 car use. So most people who live in sort of relatively central London don't do a, don't do a heck of a lot of driving. Uh, to be fair, um, we we tend to use our our cars more for when we're leaving London, you know, visiting family, uh, vacations, etc. Um, but yeah, I mean our, uh, our our family car. I have to confess it it sits on the it sits on the road outside our house. A lot more than it goes anywhere else. <laughs> well, is part of that the congestion pricing, the taxing that goes on if you drive into central London? I mean, yeah, that is a um, you know that that is a, a, an issue, and particularly with the uh, you know if if you were unfortunate enough to have an older car that has been captured by these um, very punitive um, um, uh, uh, you know uh, charges. Um, so you know that is that is a factor. Yeah, I think generally. Um, you know, there is, um, you know, there's nuances to it, but, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a particularly politically car friendly city, shall we say. Right. You describe EV in focus as the gold standard in business coverage for e-mobility. And in the past, you've worked for British Petroleum. You've also written for Petroleum Economist. So, why did you switch from gas to cover now electric vehicles? Um, yeah, you know, I had twenty great years uh, writing about and analyzing the the oil and gas sector. It was a very you know very interesting sector, very dynamic sector. Um, I just sort of feel the next twenty years, you know, which is yeah. probably uh, you know hopefully uh, when I'll be getting towards retirement age. <laughs> um, it, you know, th- you know. That market demand for that product has, you know, either peaked or is very close to peaking and will, you know, it will, I, my personal view is it will plateau for probably longer than some people think. Um, but then I think it will go into decline um, at, you know, 
you know, sometime in the, in, in the 2030s. Uh, and so simply, I, I wanted to write about something where I think there is, there is more growth. Um, yeah, I think we, you know, we could argue all day, we could spend all uh, the time that we have together, uh, you know, batting back and forth exactly what the growth rates for, um, you know, for BEVs or, you know, for, for, for plug-in hybrids, mild hybrids, et cetera, looks like. But I think you know, everyone would agree that they will go up uh, over time. It, it's, you know, I think the debate is over how quickly. Yeah. Do you drive an EV? Um, not at the moment. We are in, in the process of, of changing our, uh, our car. So we will be moving uh, over. Um, we, we do have a challenge in that um, we do not have, um, you know, off-street parking. Uh, which is a, is a, is an issue. Um, we are hoping there is there's some um, quite uh, innovative firms in the UK looking at at ways to solve that. Yeah. Um, you know, um, ability to to sort of um, pr- provide a sort of uh, a safely covered pavement gully, if you like, that would allow you to run a cable um, to right. your car without without disturbing the um, the the pavement usage. Uh, you know, we, we, we're kind of hoping that might uh, that might become a thing over the next uh, few years. Yeah. But yeah, um, we will be uh, we will be hit. You know, uh, when when we move over, we will be hit by a very strange um, thing that the UK has, where um, you pay a much lower tax rate for the electricity you use in your house compared to the electricity that you put into an ev if you charge it on on a public charger um so we will we will be hit by that which is 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 an issue yeah yeah i think that's a big issue for a lot of folks who rent or who live in an apartment especially here in the united states where you, you you're not going to live in the fifth floor building and then run in a, a, a an extension cord from your apartment down to, down to the street you just can't do that you know no no i mean clearly um, you know, your fully battery electric uh, adoption will be easier and much more economic um, for you if you, um, you know, if you do have that that driveway, that yeah. off off street parking. Um, you know, I guess you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not a, you know, as you as you rightly say, I'm not an American, so I don't, right. uh, you know, I've, uh, I don't, I don't know uh, exactly the logistics. I mean, obviously, if there is a parking garage at your uh, at your building, you know, hopefully we will see sort of, you know, the installation of, of of charging infrastructure there. But you know, that that obviously involves some sort of landlords and and yeah. and tenants uh, agreeing, which could uh, could could be uh, could be tricky. But obviously, if you if you are in a a, a building uh, and that um, uh, and and there isn't you know a, a parking garage, um, yeah, it, it will be an issue and it will it, it will be harder for you to to adopt. No no question about that. And um, and sort of you know, improving both you know the availability, the reliability, and the affordability of those sort of you know charging options for for people who 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 don't you know having the luxury of plugging it in overnight and forgetting about it and, and just turning up in the morning is, is going to be a thing. And it's going to be a big factor in the, uh, uh, you know, in, in the willingness to, um, to adopt. Right, right, right. My guest is Peter Ramsey. He's the editor in chief 
of evinfocus.com, also the co-founder of evinfocus.com, and you can find them online, of course, at evinfocus.com. Before we go through your list of the top 12 predictions for EVs in 2024, why did you decide to come up with these predictions? What uh, prompted you to uh, uh, come up with this list? Well, I mean, we, we did want to, you know, we, we write a lot of kind of corporate focused stuff, you know, you know Tesla strategy, uh, you know, Rivian strategy, you know, the strategy of, of the, uh, you know, the Fords and the GMs who are trying to balance the existing very profitable uh, ICE uh, uh, uh you know, production with you know trying to 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 get the building blocks in place for a uh, for a for a BEV uh, business. So you know we, we we write a lot of um, you know stuff that is shall we say um, you know not going to necessarily appeal to the general reader. Um, we kind of wanted to, to 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 spark a bit of debate and uh, and maybe have a little bit more fun uh, than we yeah. do with with some of our uh, articles. So you know um, it's uh, it, it's. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a maybe slightly more light-hearted attempt to 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 kind of get people going. Well, yeah, I agree with this. I right. I don't agree with that. Uh, and we we have had uh, quite a bit of that, which has has been nice. Good. Yeah, I, you know this uh, this next prediction or this first one, it, it's really not on the list, but maybe it should be uh, one of your predictions. It should maybe zero point five. Um, it would be Tesla owners thinking twice about buying one in cold climates after having their cars towed to a place to charge them because of the extremely cold weather in the Midwest of the United States. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that, yeah, nobody's going to be, uh, nobody's going to be happy with that. Um, although I did see a statistic, um, uh, I, like, I think it was earlier today, maybe yesterday, um, uh, coming out of Norway, which said that, um, yeah, of the, of the cars that had failed to start in, in, uh, in Norway with this winter, only seventeen percent of them were battery electric, and eighty-three percent of them were, were were ice cars that weren't uh, weren't turning over in the uh, uh, in the cold weather. So you know, I, I I think we definitely you know you know if if I put myself in the in the category of a, of a BEV true believer, um, you know, I I I, I don't want to. Um, you know, I don't want to sit here and deny that there are issues with with BEVs. I think that would be stupid, and I think it insults the intelligence of people who go, "Well, you know, maybe I'm not ready yet. Maybe I'm not totally convinced yeah. by uh, by these." You know, I think if you say, "Well, no, no, you're, you know, you know, you're a you're a dinosaur. You know, this is the future, and and everything's perfect." Um, you know, that's actually not a particularly um, helpful contribution to the debate. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, to let you know, I, I drive a Chevrolet Volt, which is an electric vehicle. It has a, and I, and I, it's my, this is actually my second, I've been driving it since 2013. So what, 11 years now. Um, and it has a generator in the front. So hybrid kind of, but it's, it's always an electric, but it has a generator to generate electricity. So it's a different kind of, different kind of, uh, yeah. hybrid, if you will. So I, I, and I know, like, I, yeah. And, and on, on days like this, when it's cold, I will lose about a third of the, of the battery power. Sure. That's actually hugely interesting in that there's a, um, there's a company in China, um, who are, um, they're, they're called a new energy vehicle maker. That's what sort of how China calls it, but they make um, uh, they, they make at the moment uh, they are launching a, a fully electric vehicle. I think in March, but at the moment they make entirely 
exactly these type of vehicles. Uh, they're called EREVs, Extended uh, Range Electric Vehicles. And their sales are massively, their growth in sales is massively outstripping uh, some of the other uh, sort of Chinese new startups that are, um, that are um, uh, you know, making purely the battery electric yeah. vehicles. It does seem as if there's some uh, some data coming out of China that these that these EREVs are actually um, proving very very popular, and it's sort of slightly um, it's sort of slightly strange that yeah, as you say, GM with the with the Volt, and uh, I think uh, BMW and um, uh, I think GM, I think Cadillac also had a, had one of these as well, and they've moved away from them. Yeah. China's suggesting that actually maybe they should be thinking about moving back to them. Well, and um, Ram these, here these in the United States, that. Ram, I guess it's uh, Stellantis, I think, makes Ram. Um, yes. They they are now going to, in the next couple of years, do that with the, one of their trucks, do one of these. Yes. Uh, yeah, same thing, battery powered, but they're going to have the generator so you can keep going and just fill it up with gas. It, it really takes away that range anxiety, so you never have to worry about it, but you're still going, and, and the maintenance on it is the same as an EV, and I have to get an oil change once every, what, nine or 12 months, so the maintenance on the generator is so much different and so much easier than it is in a regular ice car. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if a few more of the uh, Western OEMs go down, you know, Go down that route. Yeah. Uh, it's not a prediction for uh, the, uh, for, uh, the uh, but you know I, I think there's I think there's something in that. Right. My guest is Peter Ramsey. He's the co-founder and editor in chief of EVInFocus.com. We're talking about their twelve predictions of uh, EVs for 2024. So let's get into the predictions. Uh, let's get into the first one on the list is a jump in U.S. EV adoption in some places. Yeah, and I think that in some places is pretty important, right? Um, you know, I, I, I think there are places in in you know twenty twenty four, and obviously, again, bear in mind, I'm not American. I'm 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 looking at this as an as an outside observer. But you know, clearly, there are there are uh, places that are not going to you know you know uh, see significant increases, uh, and then there are I think are places that 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 will, um, and um, you know. Obviously, you guys have a have an election coming up That's at the end, end of the year. Um, you know, it, it does feel again, you know, as an outsider that you know that 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 sort of you know, um, you know, EVs are kind of being dragged slightly into some of this some of this culture war stuff. Um, you know, and and may well increasingly be so. Uh, you know, I think uh, when the UAW strike was 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 going on, I think um, I think Donald Trump did. Uh, do some posts on his on his social network, sort of suggesting that you know that U.S. car makers shouldn't make any electric vehicles, or they'd just be basically uh, you know uh, you know surrendering their future to China. Um, so you know that there is there is there is clearly going to be some places I think in the U.S. that are not so fertile, but you know some some of the um, uh, some of the states that maybe lean more. More to the left, I think we will see, um, particularly if um, we see more of the the models that have at least temporarily lost their um, uh, lost their sort of um, uh, uh, subsidies, get them back because right. uh, um, uh, that's that's obviously a bit of an issue at the moment. Um, but when they get those subsidies back, that subsidy will be able to be applied 
the point of sale uh, from the start of this year, uh, as opposed to you having to claim it back in your in your tax return, you know, six months later or yeah. eighteen months later. So you know that would be a a, a quite a um, quite a good driver for um, for U.S. Um, adoption in in these areas that you know, where there is appetite. Right. Yeah, that's what I had to do. I had to wait till my tax return, then apply for the federal, and then separately the state tax return. And that was really, it was $11,000 for me between the federal and state. So it really made the car affordable uh, for me at that time. Uh, the second prediction on your list is Tesla to feel more Cybertruck pain. Have you uh, seen one there in uh, in London? Have you driven one yet? No, no. I think that, um, I, I, I think the Cybertruck is, is you know, just the sheer size of it. Uh, it's going to be a very tough sell in in uh, in, in Europe as a as as a whole. I think it's a it's you know it's a striking vehicle. You know you cannot you cannot take that away from it. You know whether you like it or whether you whether you don't like it. I mean our general feeling is that that sort of uh, that U.S. Um, sort of um, automakers have kind of slightly oversimplified their their sort of belief in uh in in what evs they should be making they've kind of gone americans love buying trucks yes. so let's all make electric pickups and then you know people will love buying them when you know there was a there was a survey out sort of in december which suggested that actually the the americans who the americans who currently buy ice um sort of pickups are like the least least open buying segment in the whole U.S. market to electrification, yeah. which sort of makes you know if you're GM and you've got three of these trucks, you know Ford's obviously got the uh, F one hundred and fifty, Tesla, Rivian, you, you could actually be competing for a much shallower demand pool than you than you really thought because you just kind of assumed. You know, everyone wants to buy trucks, and therefore, you know, we'll we'll, we'll make all these pickups. And actually, maybe if you'd made a, a saloon or a uh, uh, you know a uh, sedan, I, suppose, yeah. I should say, or um, uh, 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 you know, or a, or a sort of city car runabout, yeah. actually, maybe that would have been better. You know, so maybe Tesla would have been better off making this this Model Two that it's it's talking about, the sort of affordable sort of the twenty uh, twenty thousand uh, dollar. Maybe they should have done that first. Yeah. Rather than uh, rather than doing Cybertruck, but you know, at the same time, it's a very brave man that says in the EV space that Elon Musk's made a mistake because you know <laughs> he's he's got most things right so far, hasn't he? Yeah, but not everybody's perfect all the time, and so it's what we'll, we'll see. No. Yeah, yeah, and, and and a lot of the people here that are buying regular ice pickup trucks they're still using them for work they need it for the power to tow things and so the the electricity the the battery uh, trucks are still not quite there yet especially when it comes to range towing and and losing any range with uh the added weight and uh and then it's it's just a different mentality for the folks that are the the working guys who who have these pickup trucks, it's easy for them to stop at the gas station ten minutes. They're they're filled up. They go get their drinks inside, uh, and then off they go to the work site. Yeah, I mean, for that use case, you think you're. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that that would be something again that 
there's no real point in arguing the the BEV case at uh, at this moment. Um, so uh, yeah, I think the so I think the Cybertruck is is potentially more challenging than uh, than some of the other stuff that Tesla has launched. Right. My guest is Peter Ramsey. He's the co-founder and editor in chief of EVInfocus.com. We're talking about the twelve EV predictions for 2024. Up next, number three. Uh, someone will smash it on vehicle software. Uh, explain what that means. Well, I think one thing it seems pretty clear from uh, from initial reports is it's not going to be GM. Yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Because the uh, the reports from uh, 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 for yeah. Uh, of late from from their in uh, in car uh, has not been not been good. I think this is um, part of a wider trend, which you know the auto industry is calling the software defined vehicle. Um, so it's it's sort of around um, you, know, it, you know China has kind of transformed the ex the driver experience. You know on the infotainment systems on uh, you know on on basically. The idea, almost of of your car being your, you know, mobile phone on wheels, mm -hmm. if you like, um, and you know, we're we're saying that, you know, uh, and then obviously there's the, um, yeah, there's also the, the you know the driving aids, you know, the yeah. the ADAS, etc. So what we're saying is that somebody in the next year is gonna really get that right, sort of outside of China, um, and that that's really gonna drive. Um, you know, that's going to drive some um, some significant sales growth. You know, somebody's going to release a, a new, if you like, in-car platform that everyone's just going to go, oh, wow, this is, um, you know, this is amazing. Yeah. And, Maybe and, it's Volvo. Yeah, and it would be nice to see software included forever in the car purchase. There was somebody trying to sell, a, I, it was reading recently, trying to sell their Tesla, but because they did not purchase the automatic or you know their autopilot system software that the value of the vehicle was so much lower than if they did include it so that you know that software even in my car that's 10 or 11 years old it, it costs so much money because i would have to have the dealership install the software there's no over-the-air updates for my car and at 300 or whatever dollars an hour for the mechanic to do it it's just not cost effective for me to update the software in the car yeah um, and it's just going to become such a, you know, such a big, uh, you know, thing over the next uh, number of years that, you know, the the premium on getting it right and having customers happy with it is going to be huge. Right, right. All right, your fourth prediction in uh, EVs for 2024, a major OEM will hit the skids. Uh, I, as you just mentioned, is GM on the short list there? <laughs> Um, I wouldn't have thought so, you know, given that, you know, the, uh, you know, its ability to sell, you know, its, its legacy range in its home market is, you know, is not going to be massively diminished for, for a number of years. So I think, you know, they will be, um, you know, yeah, they've got to get it right. You know, they've got a, you know, they've got a position for, you know, the, you know, a, a decade down the road, but, you know, I think they've got time. I think they've got, um, yeah, and forward, I think you're the same. You know, yeah. uh, you, both of them have obviously taken quite a lot of stick for for kind of you know, um, shall we say, retiming their investments. Inherently, it's it's yeah. Actually, if you take a step back, those are pretty sensible decisions, right? Yeah, the 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 adoption curve has not been. 
kind of as as quick as um, as you know as the most optimistic sort of forecasts were. Um, you know, it, it's probably non-linear. It probably moves in kind of chunks of like the early adopters, the the, the sort of early mass market. Yeah. And I think we're probably at a plateau uh, stage at the moment. So actually, you know, for, for, for a Ford or a GM, just moving, you know, moving some of these timetables and investments back is, is not, it's not a bad idea in, 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 in our view. Um, I suspect, you know, if, if I had to sort of, you know, be, you know, you know, held to the fire around, um, you know, you know, which, which one, I mean, Stellantis looks like a messy combination, you know. Um, you know, you, you, does Chrysler work with Persia with, um, you know, with Citron, who you know, Persia and Citron are not exactly friends, you know, historically, uh, and with Fiat. I mean, you know, it's it's it, it looks a little bit um, bloated and a little bit um, uh, messy. I think though that probably it's one of the smaller Japanese ones that could be could be most. Uh, you know, uh, most at risk. You know that they've kind of been crushed in China, and then China's kind of expanding its its exports regionally, both you know EVs and, and also um, ICE cars. So you know, I th I think that you know the Japanese makers are going to come under pressure in sort of markets like Southeast Asia, where they've kind of owned owned those markets, yeah. um, and so you know, it could be a you know, it could be a sort of Mitsubishi or a, a Subaru that you could see sort of, you know, getting into some difficulties. I, I'm not saying, yeah, uh, and we say in the in the piece that, you know, we're not saying, you know, one of them's going to go bankrupt uh, in the next 12 months. But, you know, I, I, I think there's a few um, that you could say look vulnerable or you could say look sort of in their current form, like suboptimal. Yeah, I, 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 I wonder how the European automakers are, are doing compared to us or china because it seems like they're slowly doing their thing without a whole lot of fanfare you, you know mercedes and bmw and the like they they are coming out with their evs that it seems like they're just at a steady pace more than maybe here yeah well, i mean bmw's sort of full year sales were interesting in that you know their their ev sales year on year were up by sort of 70 75 percent um you know still you know only 15% of, of overall sales. But actually, if you sort of took the growth in their BEV sales out of their their overall um, sort of sales, the stuff that they sold that was non-BEV actually went down very slightly. Um, so actually, all the growth, all the annual growth that BMW recorded was in was in uh, was in BEVs. So you know they're they're you know you know they're slowly getting there. The issue that sort of pretty much all the automakers have at the moment is, you know, that they are selling into premium markets, right? You know, you know, everyone is selling relatively expensive EVs. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and, you know, there's only so much growing you can do in that market, right? You to, to really kind of unlock things you need in Europe, you need to sort of be producing a sort of, you know, a, a 20 to 25,000 euro kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of family city runabout kind of uh, car. Um, and, you know, there's a few of them coming this year. And the Renault 5, uh, iconic, uh, iconic car. 
is getting a, a, a fully a fully electric um, Renault Five. There's a few others sort of um, on the on the horizon. So you know that will be interesting because I mean if uh, if someone can crack uh, can crack that, um, you know there is a um, you know. Uh, there's a there's a Dacia, which is probably not a, a brand that would be familiar to many of your listeners. It's a sort of a, a Romanian <laughs> a Romanian budget brand who does sell a sort of relatively um, cheap uh, sort of EV, and it, it sells you know Dacia Spring. Uh, it's sort of it's a subsidiary of of, of Renault. Um, it sells reasonably well but it has a terrible sort of safety rate safety rating you know it's it's not a you know it, it's 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 not a, a car that um you know that sort of you know fulfills both affordability and kind of you know does shall we say you know full desirability yeah. uh, on every on every criteria so it'll be interesting to see what happens when uh, you know when we do start to see these um you know the the e corsa and uh, and cars like that appearing uh, for the mass market uh and speaking of the european uh uh situation uh, fifth on your list uh there will be a landmark eu us deal on e mobility e mobility what kind of a deal would be brokered here i mean you know, who knows? And, you know, this is, you know, this is why it's a kind of a, a prediction, if you like. But, you know, it kind of makes sense that, you know, both the EU and the US have kind of got the same issue, which is, you know, around, um, you, know, uh, you know, around the, uh, the, the, the potential threat, shall we say, of, 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 of Chinese, uh, you know, models coming into their markets and disrupting, you know, the, you know important domestic uh, you know, industries for employment and for uh, for 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 the economy. Um, you know, it, it would make you know it would make a lot of sense. You know, in our view, if you know, you, you know, I'm not saying that you 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 take away all tariffs or you know, um, uh, but you know, something where where you know the two markets could be more you know easily kind of integrated with you know stuff produced in. In in one block going into the into the other block, um, you know, just simply you know, you know, creating that bigger market and you know for a you know for a Ford or a GM who you know you one would like to think have got you know some pretty good lobbying uh, you know positions uh, you know you th- you think they, they they probably have some influence on Capitol mm-hmm. Hill you know, to be able to you know unlock the european market maybe for their um uh, you know for, for for their us made bevs could be um it could be pretty helpful yeah yeah and you know tariffs it just makes everything that you buy uh, that has a tariff on it more expensive from either side european side or the american side so you know if you want to sell more of them well you do away with the tariff and it's going to the prices obviously will come down You'd, you'd hope so, yeah, right? Yeah, Economics yeah. 101. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My guest is Peter Ramsey. He's the editor-in-chief and the co-founder of EVInFocus.com, talking about their 12 EV predictions for 2024. We're, we're halfway through the list at number six. Uh, there will be a breakthrough EV model that's not a Tesla. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that probably, we, we've probably touched on that a bit already. You know, this is... Yeah. Again, you know the the you know the the kind of the the key thing uh, in in terms of a uh, of a volume uh, EV for that for that sort of sub 
sub thirty thousand uh, euro, sub thirty thousand dollar. Um, you know, and I, and I think that will happen this year. Uh, the seventh prediction for EVs: uh, China won't hit its targets in you in uh, Europe. Uh, how are those China Chinese EVs selling in Europe? I, I would think that Europe, as we talked about, some of those car makers there already have a whole bunch, and I, I would think the European community would wa- rather buy their automakers rather than than China. Yeah, I mean, I think there is uh, there's definitely something in that, um, and I mean. Th- so, you know, one of the Chinese companies that has done most well has been uh, Saic, uh, S-A-I-C, in, uh, in the UK. But one of the reasons for that is, um, is, is really that it, it owns MG, the sort of the, um, the, the, the old uh, British uh, car maker. So it's been able to sell its uh, its cars in the UK under a brand that people know, uh, and people go, "Oh yeah, MG, you know that, you know, cool, yeah, right. cool little sports cars from the '60s, right?" Yeah. Um, that seems to have really kind of, um, you know, been more successful. I mean, you could argue that you know Volvo and Polestar are Chinese EV makers yeah. uh, because they're they're owned by by Geely. All of the all of the products are basically on the Geely sort of uh, uh, SEA platform. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of you know wh- while they're they're both clearly Swedish in terms of you know corporate headquarters and uh, and the you know with Volvo the whole legacy of of, of being a Swedish manufacturer. But uh, you know there's a lot of Chinese tech under that bonnet. Uh, but you know they have the advantage of being again European brands. We're not seeing huge uptick as yet of, you know, people going, oh, yes, I'll buy a BYD. Oh, yes, I'll buy a Neo. Oh, yes, I'll buy a, uh, a GWM. Uh, you know, uh, so you, th- there's definitely that resistance that you, you, you know, of the unfamiliarity. Um, I mean, clearly that is, um, that is something that can be overcome. You know, uh, people didn't know the Japanese brands, I guess, when they arrived, this, this, the Korean brands when they arrived. Um, but, um, you know, at the same time, you know, there wasn't that sort of, uh, you know, there wasn't that sort of, um, geopolitical element as well. You know, we weren't, uh, we weren't in any sort of trade disputes with the, uh, you know, largely in Europe with the Japanese or the South Koreans when they, uh, uh, when they sort of turned up trying to sell cars. So I think there's going to be that political aspect to it as well. Um, you know, um, kind of, uh, you know, eroding that that chinese ability to to compete you know that said you know the the you know the 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 sort of the mg model or the um volvo model you know what's to say that you know byd might not you know you know we've talked about stellantis and it's kind of it's sprawling nature, you know, it's got a lot of, um, you know, it's got a lot of kind of brands that, you know, assuming that, you know, the, the, the European author- competition authorities didn't sort of, you know, step in, you know, what's to stop BYD making, uh, you know, making an offer for, you know, Alfa Romeo or Lancia or something that is a familiar name, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, uh, and then, you know, maybe that gives them a leg up. The other thing is obviously is that the Chinese haven't brought their cheapest models to the uh, to Europe yet. Uh, to some extent, that's because 
their cheapest models may not meet safety standards right. or may not meet sort of European expectations on aesthetics. I mean, some of these Chinese city cars, you know, that they're selling for, you know, $8,000 and stuff, they look pretty weird. Like they're, they, <laughs> you know, they do not look like the sort of thing that you'd expect Western buyers to buy at the same time, you know, if they were able to bring them uh, to, uh, uh, you know, to, to Europe and sell them for less than 10,000 euros, you know, yeah. you might find that people would buy them. Oh, I think uh, people in the United States would buy them. But again, it's it's the safety aspects, which puts more money into the car and to the research. And then I, I think people here would buy all, uh, almost doesn't matter what it looks like. If it's under $10,000 and it meets our safety requirements and our emission requirements, boom, they would they, they would buy it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, why not? You know, if, yeah. if you know, uh, you know that th that that could make a significant, you know, hey, uh, people you know, were willing like, to buy a Yugo back in the eighties. I mean, come on, we'll we'll buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not the prettiest car in the world, oh, um, or safest, or you know, most reliable, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, but hey, it was a cheap car, and people go, I'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and your eighth prediction on the list is a continuation of that seventh one, where China won't hit its targets in Europe, but will re reshape Asian Pacific markets, maybe because they can sell more of their cheaper cars in those areas where they don't have the same standards as there are in the EU or the United States. Yeah, and it's also just... It's just a distance thing as well, right? It's it's yeah. it's much sort of you know it's much quicker and cheaper for China to get its cars to you know to Thailand or to um, uh, you know to, to Vietnam or to even to Australia than than it is to get them you know all the way to Europe or or to the to the US. So you know it's um, you know that's clearly uh, you know that's clearly um, a factor in it. I mean, it's already you're already seeing in the Australian figures, you know. You know, to 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 the point we were talking about, Australians will buy, you know, Chinese cars. Yeah, you know, even though you know Australia and China don't exactly have the uh, the greatest sort of um, sort of political relationship. You know, there's there's tension there clearly. Um, but you know, Australians are buying more and more Chinese cars because, as you say, you know they are affordable. Yeah. Um, and you know, in Thailand, we're seeing uh, you know even Toyota, who are probably one of the least likely car companies to to ever say that you know uh, that bevs are kind of making progress or uh or, or or kind of you know are something they should be seriously thinking about they've sort of actually come out and said in thailand you know um which is a is a key market for them uh, we're seeing sort of you know chinese imports m taking a, a big chunk of that market and we're worried about it um so uh, it's it's definitely already happening my guest is Peter Ramsey. He's the editor-in-chief and the co-founder of EVInFocus.com. You can obviously get him on EVInFocus.com, and we're talking about the 12 EV predictions for 2024. Number nine on the list is that an unusual EV champion country will emerge. Is that Australia? Is that Vietnam? Is that somewhere else? Um, I mean, it could, it could well be. I mean, I think the, um, you know, the kind of, uh, if you say, if you like the the the, um, yeah, the stereotypical sort of idea is, you know, China first, then Europe, the U.S. kind of lagging. Uh, you know, maybe some of those markets that are sort of close to to China, uh, kind of you know, kind of 
get the China effect, but you know the global South largely kind of sticks to um, sticks to ICE and actually almost becomes like the the place where you know, you know as regulations tighten and maybe as consumer you know consumer appetites change, that sort of becomes like the graveyard where you know people can you know can continue selling sort of petrol and diesel cars you know long after you know sort of europe no longer uh, no longer buys any of them yeah. etc but you know we're just sort of putting it out there that you know there might be places that you know that really kind of adopt um quicker i mean particularly places that are able to um you know roll out uh you know uh, sort of electricity and, and that infrastructure so you know places that uh, you know, if they build a lot of solar, uh, you know, actually suddenly it could, could become very cheap to, uh, you know, uh, to, to, uh, you know, to charge up EVs. And very often these sorts of um, uh, countries are, are, you know, don't have their own oil and gas resources, don't have their own refineries, import expensive gasoline and, and diesel, um, you know, to, to fuel their cars. Um, so actually, you know, cheap cheap domestically produced renewable electricity could uh, could sort of be like oh you know actually uh, we should get ourselves uh, should get ourselves buying evs so you know that's a that's a sort of slightly off the wall one yeah there, but there will be a lot of places in the, in the world you know, latin america uh africa the middle east that that aren't going to be there it almost seems like they're never going to have the infrastructure for uh ev adoption and they'll be driving their ice cars and their toyota pickup trucks forever I mean, that's certainly, um, you know, that certainly could, you know, you know that's that, you know, there is certainly a, a large school of thought that, that sees that, that playing out. Um, you know, you know hydrogen is, is something which, you know, I don't believe in it for passenger cars. I think maybe for, for, you know, big heavy duty. Um, but if you are, if you're producing a lot of, um, you know, a lot of hydrogen, you know, if you're in a, in a, you know, a Southern African country and you're installing all this, uh, you know, this massive solar array to, to, to produce hydrogen, you, you're going to be producing sort of super cheap electricity. Uh, and, you know, maybe, you know, um, you know, adding a whole load of, uh, of, of EV charge points as, as you go is actually sort of economically um, kind of smart uh, if it, you know, if it basically cuts your, you know, if it cuts your, your gasoline and diesel import bill and, you know, particularly if, if as a government you are subsidizing that fuel set, you know, those fuel sales to your, you know, to your people who can't actually afford to pay market rates for, uh, uh, you know, for, for gas. <clears throat> I mean, that, that's, that could become a sort of, you know, a, quite an economically interesting idea. Uh, tenth on your list of the twenty twenty four EV predictions, hybrids will prove annoyingly sticky. Sticky how? Well, I think what we mean there is that you know, and, and this is a little bit tongue in cheek. You know, yeah. we don't hate hybrids. Uh, you know, we uh, you've already discussed how yeah. sort of EREVs could be uh, could be actually quite a cool uh, sort of um, uh, trend. Um, yeah. Inherently, you know, mild hybrids are, yeah, you know, they're they are a, um, you know, they the uh, they're a halfway house. They're a uh, they're they're a, they're a short to medium term solution. 
Um, but we think you know, in 2024, they're probably going to grow quicker than, uh, than, than, than BEVs. Um, that's, um, you know, you know, which is fine. You know, as I said, you know, there are, there are genuine customer concerns around going all electric in, in, in many, uh, use cases that, that are valid. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. Uh, if, uh, and also, you know, it's a first step, right? It's a nice, you know, for people who are interested and who kind of want to do the, the right thing by the planet, if you like, by, by, by not, um, you know, by, by reducing their, their, their sort of, uh, you know, their, their, their personal carbon footprint, um, you know, you know, kind of made that first step and you know, maybe then they can go on to, to, you know, um, to, to, to full, fully electric once, you know, once batteries and once, uh, charging infrastructure have developed uh, further. So, you know, they're not in any way the end of the world. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of maybe slightly depressing for those of us who, 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 you know, you know, who'd, who'd like to move faster that, you know, you see these massive, uh, massive growth for, for, uh, for, for hybrids. My, my wife is one of those who, who would take a hybrid over a pure electric because she's the kind of person that is still used to going to the gas station five minutes. And then after, I mean, that's all she has to do is think about fueling up once a week, not every night where you have to plug it in. And if you don't, then what are you going to do? Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's a really good point is that, you know, we are asking people to, to, you know, sort of change, you know, a century of learned behavior and you, you can't expect everyone to just kind of, um, you know, to, to, to just sort of go overnight, you know, if you'll excuse the pun, um, you know, that, right. Oh, you know, I'm going to, you know, but at the same time, I mean, if you flip it around the other way, if you said to, to somebody, Oh, by the way, instead of just plugging your phone in by your bed every night, you've got to go somewhere and, you know, take it to this yeah. charge, this mobile phone charging station once a week and pump it full of, uh, full of electrons there. And it's fine because you only have to do it once a week. They'd probably say, well, why can't I just charge it up overnight beside my bed by plugging it in like I normally do? You know, uh, this, you know, this idea that I have to take it to this place once a week sounds kind of inconvenient and doesn't really suit my lifestyle. So, you know, it's, it, yeah. It's a little bit facetious, uh, but you know, it's, 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 I guess just a point that, you know, what you're used to in one way isn't, you know, necessarily the way that uh, you perceive it in a, in a different way. You almost have to get it to a point where you drive into a garage or on a street or whatever, and it's like that wireless charging where you just drive it over your vehicle, over a little charging station, and then it charges it automatically, and then you just keep on going. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, you know, we will see, you know, significant innovation in, in, in charging and in batteries, you know, giving range, you know, giving more range, you know, for vehicles that need it and, and, you know, less range and kind of more kind of, um, affordability and, 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 uh, you know, for those that, that don't, um, you know, we're still in the early days. Um, so, you know, there, there's, there's plenty of, of that to come. Uh, so that, um, you know, uh, that's what makes it a fun kind of topic, I guess. Right. And, th and that's pretty much the 11th prediction is that there's going to be consolidation in charging. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, particularly in Europe, we've got far too many uh, companies, uh, you know, uh, doing it, you know, you know, 
the 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 vehicle manufacturers kind of doing it i mean weird you, know, you you don't go into a mercedes petrol station why would you why would you go into a mercedes like charging station yeah uh you, you've got obviously you've got your bps and your shells and your so's and your who you know kind of trying to future-proof their their businesses um, you've got ut electric utilities who are like, we sell electrons, you know, and then you've kind of got these, these startup companies who are like, oh yeah, you know, this is a good business to be in. So yeah. you kind of got these four different, uh, kind of types of companies all going at it. Um, I mean, clearly, yeah, in, in, in Europe, it's, it's, it's just led to massive fragmentation. Yeah. You know, people having, you know, particularly people who live in continental Europe and who do a lot of kind of, um, you know, business travel, maybe across borders, you know, you're hearing stor horrendous stories about people having, you know, seven different cards and, and nine different apps, you know, it's, it's, it's ludicrous and, and doesn't help anyone yeah. uh, in the US clearly, you know, out with Tesla, the charging experience has been frankly, you know, woeful, yep. you know, in terms of, of, of maintenance, in terms of, of, of operability, et cetera. You know, um, I mean, I suppose to some extent that's what happens if you, you know, if, 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 if Tesla's main competitor in this space was kind of made to do this yeah. because of like diesel gate doesn't, maybe doesn't necessarily really want to be in that business. I don't know. You'd have to speak to Volkswagen about that, but, um, you know, uh, you know, Clearly, what we need is some very competent, big players, deep pockets, you know, kind of long-term vision to to come in and 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 kind of, you know, produce, um, you know, produce sort of, you know, a, a good charging experience. You know, we, we need, you know, we need more kind of companies of of the scale of the big um, sort of, you know, fuel distributors uh, and less sort of, you know, people with, you know you know 17 charging stations you know it's, it's just not going to work well and, and you and you need really to to educate the people with evs to use the charging stations as just a i'm going to get a couple of minutes here on the charger so i can keep going 100 miles unless you're going cross country or long distances there's no reason to fill it all the way up to the top when you're just out and about you could spend 10 15 minutes and get some charge and then keep going you don't need to sit there for two or three hours yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a very realistic way of looking at it. Um, you know, I, I think we, you know, again, we, we have to accept that, uh, you know, just simply saying to people, you know, range anxiety is not a thing. And, you know, you, you very rarely do these, you know, big trips isn't probably the right way to to, to kind of win friends and, and influence people. But at the same time, you know, to say, you know, most of the time you'll you'll be okay when you are doing these these sort of big trips you know these these vacation trips or or you know uh, you will have to plan a bit more you will have to kind of you know consult your app and, uh, uh, and and you know plan your journey a little bit more um but you know that is not unless you're you know someone who who sort of you know commercially you know drives long distances on a on a daily basis is is something that is um uh, you know that that's, that's going to impact you hugely, yeah. but it will impact you a little bit, right? And my uh, and your twelfth and final top prediction for EVs in twenty twenty four is I'm speaking with Peter Ramsey, the editor in chief and co founder of EVinfocus dot com, is that we will get a new word for the EV lexicon. Yeah, I mean this was a bit of a silly last one. Um, you know, uh, 
yeah, I, I think I already know what I what it though what yeah. Yeah, what seventeen days into the year. I think I know what it should be. <laughs> okay. I think I know what it should be. So you you've probably seen uh the thing about um you know the the, the Tesla recall yeah. uh because of um the um uh the the uh some of the issues with their ADAS yeah. uh, autopilot. autopilot yeah. Um yeah. Clearly for Tesla, you know, recall doesn't mean you gotta take you know you get an over-the-air update. So, you know, recall is kind of, you know, doesn't really work. So what about e-call? <laughs> right. right, there you go. Uh, there, you know, there was this one other story recently about the rental car Hertz. So I'll just get your last comments on this. It, because they're selling off a large portion of their EV fleet because it's it's not necessarily that it's a problem with the EVs, but it's they're so expensive to insure and to repair. And I've heard similar issues with some potential buyers of, of Rivians, especially, uh, and Teslas and other specialized EVs, that, that the cost to repair them is ju- it's almost as much uh, to, to, to buy a new one as, as it is to get the one repaired. Yeah, I mean, I I, I believe, and again, I, I'm you know um, speaking as, as someone who's who's not in the US, but I, I believe that there is some disquiet about how long you know it takes to you know particularly how, yeah the length of time it takes uh, for for Tesla to 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 carry out these repairs, uh, and particularly if you are a you know a fleet operator. Uh, you know, where you need, um, you know, you, you need that, um, you know, the kind of availability, you know, yeah. you know, uh, repair time is downtime is, is costing you money. I think that is an issue. And, uh, you know, so, someone raised the, um, the point that um, this could be a real problem for Tesla's semi as well. Because obviously, if you are, um, if you're buying, uh, you know, if you're, a, if you're, if you're a big, uh, you know, uh, you know, class eight, uh, truck uh, fleet company, and you know you you invest in in significant numbers of Tesla semis, and they break, and Tesla can't fix them. You know, kind of yesterday, uh, you know, you know that's cargo that is sitting there untowed. Um, so you know that's that's clearly something that 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 Tesla need to 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 get a handle on. I mean, I think the you know the, the Hertz thing was you know. You know, was interesting. Clearly, um, you know, Hertz did say, you know, it's not about EVs so much as you know, there are certain things which happened here. Obviously, Tesla slashing the prices uh, massively impacted the residuals. And you know, yeah. if you are a uh, if you're a, a fleet business, uh, you know that that's going to hurt your that's going to hurt your bottom line, right? Because you because it hurts takes those cars and sells them later and makes the money back. So. Yeah. Yes, and obviously, if it doesn't, and you know, even if it hasn't sold them yet, it probably has to write down the the value of the inventory, and and that that's an accounting charge, right? That's that's gonna gonna turn up. Um, they did say one other interesting thing, which is that they, um, you know, the the actual maintenance costs were were lower, uh, you know, yes. the, the the sort of, the, um, but that they were getting more repair bills. You know, Again, potentially higher repair bills, but more repair bills because of you know, and they and they kind of held their own hands up about this of sort of lack of education of of the drivers because I think a lot of people who were maybe renting Hertz, this was their first experience of driving a BEV, and basically they were they were just finding the acceleration 
different and they were basically you know crashing into stuff much more regularly than uh than a you know than than hertz would normally expect so actually to some extent it was a and an, a lack of education of of driver problem as well um that you know the, they weren't used to, to driving what is a different ride yeah uh, and they were and they were you know uh, basically uh you know shunting into uh into other cars or into other objects because they kind of were like oh you know, they touched the accelerator and it jumped forward and uh, and they weren't expecting it. Yeah, that's what I tell people about driving in. You don't get this problem there in the UK that much. But driving in snow, it, it really is different with the uh, immediate torque of an EV that you can be. And then you can your, your tires might be spinning. But because you don't have an engine to hear the <laughs> engine revving uh, like you do, you, you don't know that your tires are spinning. That So it's, it's it's a whole way to different drive, especially in ice and snow. Yeah, no, it's yeah. uh yeah, yeah. So yeah, but ch challenges, right? right? New technology. Right. Um, you know, the, the, this isn't uh, this isn't a straightforward, easy journey. Any, any uh ne next fun stories that you're working on? Um, I mean, we are. Um, you know, we're we're, we're doing a bit of um, uh, you know, uh, you know, a few sort of white papers. One which might interest you guys is um trying to work out if the California grid is is going to be able to hold up to kind of uh, going all electric. Uh, our, our, our current conclusion, uh, we haven't finished uh, speaking to everyone yet, is you know, definitely the way it currently is. If California went all EV, they couldn't handle it. Yeah. There would be... Um, the feeling is, though, that there there is enough investment sort of planned by the utilities to kind of keep up with the uh, with the move. Um, but the um, the other issue is that that grid's going to have to get a lot smarter. Yeah. Um, I think Texas because... is even worse because they have such problems with their own uh, system trying to when it's really hot or really cold, they have a hard time keeping up. So Texas is almost worse than California. Yeah, probably isn't going to adopt EVs quite as oh, quickly. Sure. Uh, but um, yeah, but you know, California is going to have yeah, obviously all these you know electric cars. Mm, yeah, pretty much the vast majority of its new generation to meet that demand is going to be renewable. It's going to be um, it's going to be um, you know not uh, baseload, not sort of predictable. So you know, there's going to have to be a lot of sort of energy storage. Um, Good for Tesla, uh, potentially. Um, there's going to have to be a lot of smart grid. And, you know, we are going to get to stuff like, you know, uh, vehicle two grid, you know, where you actually can kind of um, use your, you know, say if you've got a, an F-150 Lightning, you've basically got a massive, massive battery in your garage, uh, which, you know, you can use to take power off the grid in the in the middle of the night when uh, when it's cheap. And then, you know, pump you know sell it back to the grid right. when uh, you know uh, when 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 you know, when demand is peaking and you're particularly on maybe a, a cloudy yeah. uh day where there's much wind uh, you and, know, and if you be, don't need uh, to go uh, anywhere <laughs> yeah, you can leave a, the car. Profitable. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean particularly if you know uh you know if if those if these things could be introduced into you know workplaces you know yeah. you know if you think about big you know big parking lots uh, you know that that's 
could be just a sort of giant battery, right? Well, they're actually up in uh, Boulder here, just down the road from me. Uh, they're doing that uh, with one of the uh, with some of they take their cars. The city uh, charges them up at night, and then if they need power, they'll draw it back from the cars in, during the day. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of the um, you know a lot of the EV batteries at the end of their lives. Um, will probably end up in these, you know, will actually end up as as sort of energy storage um, because, you know, they won't, you know, sort of 10 years, after 10 years, they won't be good enough batteries to, you know, to, to power an EV, but they'll still be perfectly fine for sort of stationary energy storage yeah. for uh, for a good number of years after that. So we'll, we'll probably see a lot of that, a lot of, um, uh, of, 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 you know, scrappage of, of EV cars when that starts becoming a thing, sort of, you know, uh, you know, five, 10 years, uh, the battery's just basically being removed, maybe some defective cells kind of thrown away and the rest just kind of repurposed to, to balance out um, sort of wind power and, and solar power. Well, uh, it's, uh, Peter, been a fascinating and fun conversation talking about your uh, 12 EV predictions for 2024. Uh, people can see that right now at evinfocus.com. Thanks again for your time, your expertise, and it's been a wonderful conversation. Jason, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I put a link to the article, the 12 predictions of EVs for 2024 from evinfocus.com in the description of the show. You just click that and it will take you right to the article. And I mentioned to Peter before the interview started that I was going to be flying to London before then flying on to Dublin for spring break for my daughters. I, I think I've said this on the show before. Uh, my daughters are competitive baton twirlers and they've been invited, their baton group, to march in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Dublin, Ireland, this year, this spring break, this March. And so I'll be flying to from uh, Denver to London, and then on from London to Dublin, and then we'll do the uh, parade, uh, and then we have another tour. We have to do it with this tour group. And this tour company, as part of the thing, uh, they this is the frustrating thing. is So you can't just show up and do the parade. You have to be as part of this tour group. And so as part of the tour group, it includes uh, these bus transfers and we have to go down after the parade. We have to get on these buses and we're going to go down to uh, southwestern Ireland and uh, we're going to go do the Ring of Kerry. And we were going to do the Cliffs of the Moor, Cliffs of Moor, but we decided that's too far. So they have another tour around this other thing. But in any words, in other words, we have to do this, this whole package deal. We can't just go to the parade, and then do our own thing. We have to do this package deal, and it costs so much money. It's crazy how much money this is going to cost me. Uh, but anyway, so I, I'll be in Dublin for uh, spring break. So I, I can't wait to see, uh, as Peter was describing, what the driving styles are like in London. Because when we go to Dublin, we'll be there for uh, about a week or five days or so, and then we're going to go back to London for a couple of days uh, before flying back to the United States and flying back home. So I just cannot wait to see what the driving is like, patterns like. I, I'm not going to be renting a car. Uh, that's going to be, uh, to me, uh, not frustrating, but I wish I was going to rent a car so I could really see what it's like. Uh, but anyway, either way, it's going to be, it, it, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It'll be a blast, but it will also uh, put me in the poorhouse for the rest of my life. Yay!
<laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, if you need to contact me, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, all my contact link uh, links are in the uh, description of the show. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. <laughs>